Welcome to the Latin MedTech Leaders Podcast. This is a weekly conversation with MedTech leaders who have succeeded in Latin America. Today, our guest is James Jordan. And with this interview with Jim, we start a new topic in our podcast, the EU MDR and how it could potentially impact the medical device business in Latin America. James is president CEO at Pittsburgh Life Sciences Greenhouse and a healthcare professor at Carnegie Mellon University. Jim is an accomplished Fortune 20 level executive with a strong experience in the industry, consulting, and academia. He is a recognized expert in market development and guiding the successful formation of entrepreneurial startup businesses in the life sciences and healthcare industries. Prior to joining the PLSG, Jim served as senior vice president of a $3 billion division of McKesson Corporation and at Johnson & Johnson. Jim has leveraged this experience in several startup ventures and is active on several board of directors. His experience also includes consulting engagements with numerous companies, including Medtronic, Frost & Sullivan, and Otsuka Pharmaceutical. Welcome to our show, Jim. How are you doing today? I am doing great. Actually, our conversation has the advantage of this morning I had an executive and residence discussion, which is normally part of our weekly fund discussion. And so we actually brought up some of these questions that you're answering me. And so really? you're benefiting wow. from having more than one opinion. It's going to be a fun conversation then. <laughs> so first of all, Jim, I am very privileged, I think, to be in contact with you now. I went through your book, and let me tell you, I mean, it's a monumental work. It's magisterial. It's just fascinating. I didn't have much chance to go deeper into it, but I went through the first pages, and uh, it's really fascinating. And the work that you guys are doing at uh, PLSG is just fantastic. So well, I'm, thank I'm, you. I'm very, very impressed with what you guys are doing, and it's certainly a pleasure to be in contact. And thank you for connecting on the phone and to speak about this EU MDR topic. This topic hasn't been researched enough and companies in the U.S. and Europe have trouble understanding the Latin American region, even though it is very close to the U.S. I am really, really looking forward to hearing your thoughts on, on the topic. So the first question is, you know, shall medical technology companies still consider Europe as their first commercial market before they seek FDA approval? And so the general conversation that we had here today on that topic was the mentally separating out clinical trials from regulatory commercial approval. So the FDA has recognized certain countries that they will accept data for first in man and some of those things as data elements that they can file to the FDA. But that you have to have more than just those countries. So both Europe and Latin America are great places to gather early first and man data in places that might be um, more friendly to work with. So from a regulatory perspective, the answer is yes. But from a commercialization perspective, I think the world has historically looked at Europe specifically as one sort of regulatory body. And on some aspects, that's true, but for the most part, it is not true. Mm -hmm. So you have to go country by country to mm -hmm. clear uh, reimbursement, to clear other hurdles besides the EU hurdles. So, you know, we have found that if you think of the, what I would call more of the German, Netherlands, Belgium 
countries, they're easier to commercialize in than, say, France, UK, or Italy. They're much slower process. But in general, your strategy has two aspects of it to consider. The first is time and money from an execution perspective. And the second consideration is funders. So one of the things you'll read in my startup book is you have three constituencies in a startup. You have the customer themselves, who you eventually sell to. You have the investors and you have the acquirers. And so when you're considering um, people that are going to invest in you, I think a lot of venture capitalists are hard pressed to find a company as an example where going to Europe first for commercialization ended up in any material revenue. And so although it ends up in getting first in man validation quicker, in terms of scaling revenue, it has not. And so whether we're moving from the current state to more of a synergized EU that is more aligned with FDA, which is a different, maybe heightened regulatory pathway, the question for VC would be, if I have to put resources on the ground and have risk, Europe, other than getting me early clinical data, has limited value. Limited value, you said. Limited value, yeah. And so the same thing goes to the second question, is Latin America a place where you know you would consider entering first? So years ago, Brazil and Argentina were great places to go to because of the quality of the physicians and the lower regulatory barriers. Today, they are more like the U.S. And so again, the answer to that question would be the same as Europe in the sense that you would get your early clinical data there and you would be very pleased with that. Whether you would have a full commercial strategy there is maybe not your primary action. So that goes to the what's been your experience with EU in general, which is also the same common of Latin America, is very few investors have found that they have either materially reduced their time to market or materially increased post-approval revenue by having mm. a European or a Latin America-only strategy. However, I said the book is about commercialization, it's about the investors, and then it's about acquirers. So as companies get a little more mature and they're looking at increasing their exit value, having regulatory approvals across the globe is actually very attractive because Latin America and EU are both very, very large markets, particularly you know, Argentina and Brazil historically has been where the U.S. has focused on, particularly for medtech. So mm -hmm. it might not be my first strategy, but after I started commercializing in the U.S., depending mm -hmm. on how long I think I need to keep my company going before I sell it, yeah, yeah it's a matter of adding value, right? Mm -hmm. So if I can expand my marketplaces and get approval, then that would be a good thing. So mm -hmm. a lot of times what happens is when a company buys you, sometimes the hurdles go up. And so, for example, I might be in Argentina where I'm working with a famous physician. I think in the old days of when I was at Boston Scientific working with Juan Perotti, right? Mm -hmm. And that company was Medox before it got bought by Boston Scientific. It was a startup. They worked with a famous physician. You know, there was good synergy, there was good teamwork, and mm. the government recognized the cash constraints of a startup company. And so they had certainly requirements of safety and efficacy, but then they maybe didn't talk about economic studies or other things that they might expect out of a Boston Scientific or J&J. &J. So in that case, 
if I can get a regulatory approval in Argentina or Latin America or anywhere in Europe, and then I'm bought by a company, that regulatory approval goes with me. And for the acquirer, they may get into that country in a, a less costly way sure. through an acquisition. Yeah. And so that sort of answers the next question. The other question is, you know, what has been our company's experiences here? We've had three or four companies in our portfolio that went to Europe first, they commercialized, and they believed that they would be able to not have the same barriers in the U.S., and the fact of the matter is they did. And so mm -hmm. they, yeah. they stumbled, they had a down round, and it cost them more money. And I would say mm -hmm. that the same experience in Latin America. So again, if Latin America is looking for cutting-edge technologies to come to their individual countries ahead of time, certainly by participating in getting clinical data, they build global relationships, and those global relationships are eventually going to pay dividends. They may not pay those dividends during the startup phase. They may pay them later on in the commercialization phase. Very well said, yeah. Now, if you think of that, that might not be such a terrible thing because when you're in the clinical trial, just getting data phase, usually companies and their investors have very specific money to give to do that. So you deliver the work, you get the money. In the more longer relationship phase, you need a company to have a little bit more money. And if they're post-commercialized in the U.S., they actually have more cash. And so maybe they can have a more broader relationship in the long run. So companies will never forget the people that did their clinical trials. Yeah, that's how I got started with first in human trials. And that's what we continue to do it. And I'm actively lobbying the Colombian government to understand exactly what you're saying. And I'm actually trying to pass a new law in Colombia. I met with the leadership at the Colombian Congress and everything about this. And it is a key opportunity for a country like Colombia to position itself as one of the top destinations in the world. Especially now that the country is looking to diversify its economy, uh, not to depend so much on oil and, and gas and, and, and minerals, but uh, on science, technology, and innovation. Actually, uh, just last week, there was a new ministry or secretary, as we call them in the U.S., the Ministry of Science, Technology, and Innovation. It's a historical time for Colombia in that regard because they finally understood that they have to take these investing in science, technology, and innovation seriously. So, um, so, yeah, I agree with your statement. And I think that, you know, when you think about economic development for a nation, when those physicians are part of a landmark clinical trial, they end up being at all the top trade shows as being the person out there speaking about it. Yes. Whereas the U.S. physicians, who may even have better brands, cannot <laughs> get up and speak. And so what happens, so if you just look at the time to what I would call relevance for a brand, so you're trying to make Columbia a brand, the time that those you know physicians can start participating and the time that they become attached to global companies because the global companies recognize them as the handful of people they want to do business with and then other doctors and other institutions in the US start inviting them to be visiting people there's a company that I'm involved in we started out with the training programs in Europe and when you're trying to train the U.S. physicians, you end up bringing over the Europeans to train the U.S. physicians. You know, same thing in Colombia, right? Or, mm. or wherever you are in Latin America, you bring those physicians over to help train. Well, next mm. thing you know, not only was that Colombian physician at this trade show where, you know, they were in front of tens of thousands of people, but now the 
U.S. top docs come in to be trained because, you know, the companies are naturally going to sell to the top people. And your doctors training those top people, those are relationships that are forged for generations between Mm -hmm. the physicians. So that's my thought. Excellent. (laughs) Well, I appreciate finally getting to talk and uh, I thank you for being interested in my opinions and I thank you for buying my book and I hope you enjoy it. And, you know, we do just for your own benefit. I have an academic website called healthcaredata.center that has a lot of information on it about the healthcare system in the U.S. and my academic pursuit. So you should peck around there. Maybe there's some, I know if you look up the word uh, valuations, there's some valuation standards up there that might be of interest to you. Healthcaredata.center. Instead of .com, it's .center. So maybe there's something that could value some of your constituents. Okay. Thank you, Jim. I appreciate that. All right. If there's anything I can do to help anywhere, I mean, anytime you feel like doing anything in Latin America, let me know. You already have my contact info, and I look forward to keeping in touch. Perfect. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye-bye. Take care. All right. Take care. Bye.